This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I have a great show for you guys today. The NHL season is in full swing now, just about a week since puck dropped back in Tampa Bay last Tuesday. Now every single NHL team has gotten their first game over with. Now most NHL teams have gotten their home openers over with. We still have some holdouts like the New York Islanders, like the Seattle Kraken, who will play their first home game this upcoming Saturday. But all in all, the season is underway. We're off to the races a week in, and it's been a great week so far. I mean, I'm excited to see where this season goes, but if it's anything like the first week, if this continues, it's going to be one hell of a four months, really, until the playoffs come around. It's going to be a fun NHL season. But I have a really good show for you guys today. I'm going to kick things off with my Coast to Coast with Nick Berlansky segment where we talk about the breaking news and biggest storylines across the entire NHL. In our second segment, I will be joined by Neil Villapiano of the Devil State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll dive deep into what we expect of the New Jersey Devils this season, talk about their young core, guys like Dawson Mercer who made the camp, a guy like Alexander Holtz who didn't quite make the team out of camp, but it seems like he might make the team at some point this year. And of course, we talk about the captain, Nico Hishier, and the confident one, Jack Hughes. So stay tuned for that talk with Neil Villapiano. And then, of course, we're going to close out this show with a couple of games that I have my eye on. My games to watch between now and the next time I come to you on Thursday's episode. But let's kick it all off with our Coast to Coast segment talking about every major storyline across the NHL. And this segment is really going to be kind of dominated by contract signings. You know, most of the offseason we talk about contracts, and that is where a lot of our excitement comes from. But once the season starts, they usually die down. Not this year. In the first week of the season, obviously we had one holdout, and Brady Kachuk, he does get a deal done to go back to the Ottawa Senators. Seven years, $8.2 million average annual value for the kid. And when I say kid, I mean kid. Brady Kachuk is 21 years old. Thinking about a 21-year-old getting that long extension for $8.2 million, it kind of makes you think back and realize how much this league has changed and how much more money is being invested in these younger stars in the NHL. And Brady Kachuk is obviously one of them. When I talked to Shane Ryan of the Sens Hour a couple episodes ago, Go back and check that out where we talked about if the Senators are a playoff team this year and all sorts of stuff like that. We also touched on Brady Kachuk. And Shane said he wouldn't be surprised if the first time Brady comes out, which as of yet, excuse me, as of now, Brady has yet to play a game because, of course, he wasn't at training camp, needs to get his feet underneath him. But Shane told me that he would not be surprised 
if Brady Kachuk is named the captain after signing his contract. Well, now that the contract is done, we'll keep an eye out to see if Shane was right. But it seems like, regardless, Brady Kachuk is going to be the next captain of the Ottawa Senators. And if, if that's the truth, then they're going to have their captain locked up for seven years, a little bit over $8 million. Now, is he worth it? That remains to be seen. He did do the whole Kachuk holdout thing, so it worked out in his favor. Seven more years of Brady Kachuk in Ottawa. Let's get to a couple more storylines across the NHL. There were some big extensions apart from the Brady Kachuk signing, and that let's start north of the border. Stay there with Nick Suzuki in Montreal. Like I mentioned, Brady Kachuk is only 21 years old, getting this massive extension. Nick Suzuki gets an eight-year deal in Montreal, $7.875 million average annual value. Listen, we all understand how talented Nick Suzuki is and how well he has played for Montreal since they acquired him in the trade with the Vegas Golden Knights. But this is his first year as the number one center in Montreal. I would have liked to probably see how he played and then give him this massive contract. And listen, far be it for me to be a talent evaluator of a guy that plays for the Montreal Canadiens, but it just seems like, although it is the path that most people are taking, these big contracts for these young stars early on in their career, it just seems like a very big commitment for a guy that has never been the number one center on your team. Now, this year, Suzuki will be. And is he going to be worth it? There's a good opportunity. But at the same time, it still baffles me that a 22-year-old like Nick Suzuki is getting this massive contract before he's even basically proven that he is worth it. I think he's been a really good player, and I think there's a chance that he does live up to it. But the thing is, they're paying kids now for what they hope they can be, not for what they've seen. And I think that's a little bit of a change that not everybody is used to yet, and I'm certainly not used to it, but good on Nick Suzuki for getting his money. Now, the only contract extension that was given to an older gentleman in the NHL this past week seemed to be Matthias Ekholm getting a big extension from the Nashville Predators. He's been a part of that blue line for a long time, back since it was led by P.K. Subban a couple seasons ago, to be completely honest. And he is one of the last holdovers, him and Roman Yossi on that blue line. Ryan Ellis departed this past offseason. We already mentioned P.K. Subban is gone as well. So Matthias Ekholm is locked in in Nashville. Four years, $6.2 million average annual value. I don't think the Predators are going to have a good year this year. So I don't know if this was a signing to give value and maybe potentially make it easier to trade him. I, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think you sign him to this type of extension with any thought that you're going to trade him. But Matthias Ekholm was in trade conversations last year for the Nashville Predators. And then they went on to make the playoffs, which is why they kept players like him, like Colton Sissons, around. But now, you look at what they did in the offseason, trading away Victor Arvidsson because they had to because of the Seattle expansion draft. They end up still losing Callie Yarncroke in the expansion draft. It, it seems like a kind of a changing of the guard. I'm not quite sure where Nashville is right now. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I'm not sure where their front office feels that they are. This signing of Matthias Ekholm is either for one of two reasons. Either you're going to try to make it easier to trade him, or you really want him around for whatever comes next. I'm not exactly sure from where I stand right now what that is, 
but good for Matias Ekholm. He gets his money. He gets locked up for the next four years. And like I said, he's one of the main holdovers from that really dominant Nashville Predators blue line that helped him to the Stanley Cup Finals. So we'll see what he and Roman Yossi can do there in Nashville this season. But there is one more big extension that I wanted to mention before I moved on to the next topic. And that goes to Charlie McAvoy up in Boston. Last year, it's kind of, to me, the opposite of a guy like Nick Suzuki, who is now in his first year as the guy getting that extension. Charlie McAvoy had that season last year. Once Zdeno Chara left, Charlie McAvoy became the guy. And also, I mean, Tory Krug was gone as well. So a lot of that buffer room, a lot of those training wheels were taken off for Charlie McAvoy, and he was given the reins to the Boston Bruins blue line. He took it and he ran with it. I thought he had a really good season last year in a very difficult division, and it, it was a difficult time for him to, to be the leader of that defense and to be stepping into that role, and I thought he took it pretty much in stride. And now this is the reward that he's getting. This is the confidence that he has instilled in the Boston Bruins organization. He gets an eight-year deal for $9.5 million a year. He is only 24 years old, so just getting into his prime, and now he is locked in Boston for a very, very long time. We've seen a lot of defensemen get paid this offseason. I mean, Dougie Hamilton comes to mind that looks like a contract similar to what McAvoy got. These guys are getting paid heavily. I mean, Quinn Hughes got paid really heavily just a couple weeks ago. But good for Charlie McAvoy. I think of these players, you know what? I want to take out Matias Ekholm because he is over the age of 30. Of the Kachuk, Suzuki, and McAvoy trio, I think Charlie McAvoy probably deserves his the most. But, I mean, they, they all obviously deserve really nice contract extensions. But I think McAvoy has earned his the most. But, that I mean, regardless, they're all different teams, all different situations. But I, I like what Charlie McAvoy did last season for the Boston Bruins. And I like that the Bruins decided to lock him up and give him the money that, that truly he deserves. A lot... There's some people that think he's overrated, some people that think he's underrated. I think he is a really good defenseman in this league. I'm not sure he's quite Norris caliber year after year, but he's definitely in the top 15 of NHL defensemen. Some other quick storylines before we send it over to our interview with Neil Villapiano of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. There were plenty of big-name stars missing this week. I said there was a lot of action, it was a lot of fun, but... Some of the biggest names in the sport were not skating and have yet to skate. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are both obviously out for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Malkin will be out for a long time. Crosby seems to be trending towards a return at some point in the next week. But both of them are skating. It was nice to see Evgeny Malkin on Monday afternoon skating in a sweatsuit. But still, nonetheless, after a knee surgery, he's back out there on the ice. Austin Matthews will make his season debut on Monday, which was yesterday if you're listening to this podcast, but he had missed the first couple of games of the year with a wrist injury. Luckily, he is back, but did not get to see him in the first couple games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche missed the first couple of games on COVID protocol, so he has been out of the lineup, and we have not seen him as of yet. And then the last one I wanted to bring up is Nikita Kucherov. He was healthy to start the season. He wasn't on this list. Until over the weekend, he was injured in a game. It did not look good. He was in what appeared to be a lot of pain. And now it comes out today that he possibly needs surgery and could be headed back to the LTIR. Just not good news for a guy that missed all of last season with a hip injury. He spent the whole regular season on LTIR. He was so, so important to the Tampa Bay Lightning during the postseason last year. Over 30 points 
in just 25-plus games. And realistically, he came out of the year on a roll. I mean, he looked like Nikita Kucherov. He looked really good. And now that he's going to be facing this injury, we just hope that he's not out for the rest of the regular season. And I know all the people that were not happy about the sorry the Tampa Bay Lightning and their cap circumvention last year are starting to roll their eyes already. So plenty of big names of stars that have already missed early season. We have seen Connor McDavid play in Excel, has already a hat trick. We have seen Alex Ovechkin move up from 6th to 5th all-time in NHL scoring. He has three goals already on the season. It's a good early start to the NHL season. There's a lot of storylines already, and there's going to be way more storylines as the season progresses. The last thing I wanted to touch on before we head to break, how about the Seattle Kraken? Their first week of existence is officially over. Now, they finished it with only one win out of three opportunities. But still, it, it is, a, is a place to start from. Congratulations to Ryan Donato. He ends up scoring the first ever Seattle cracking goal. I, I didn't really have that on my bingo card. My prediction was going to be an Alex Wenberg goal, but that didn't quite come to pass. Now, Ryan Donato, if I'm not mistaken, let me try to figure out, I believe... Uh, he was born in Massachusetts, so I'm not sure why people are saying that Ryan Donato was from Seattle. I might be missing part of that, but, you know. Regardless, congratulations to Ryan Donato. Scoring the first ever Seattle Kraken goal last Tuesday in their game against the Vegas Golden Knights. They almost came back and took that game, which would have been amazing. But then... It, it's all right because they went out and got their first win in Nashville a few days later in a 4-3 victory. Two goals by former Pittsburgh Penguin Brandon Tanev. It seems like he's quickly becoming the fan favorite up there in Seattle and definitely the face of across you know national media for the Seattle Kraken. I mean, why not? The guy is an absolute unit. He is kind of a freak, a little bit crazy, but that's what you need when you're going to be the face of the 32nd NHL franchise. But that is going to do it for this Coast to Coast segment. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return, I will be joined by Neil Villapiano of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. Keep it right here on the Hockey Hotbed. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski, again, as we continue on this in-season episode of the Hockey Hotbed. I don't think anybody really understands how excited I am that the season has finally kicked off, but I wanted to bring somebody on that is just always equally excited or usually more excited than I am about hockey, and that is Neil Villapiano of the Devil's State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. He covers the New Jersey Devils. Neil, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. Uh, it's it's great to see you. It's been a while since the last time you know we talked and obviously did something like this. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this whole podcast that you're doing with obviously the addition of the tip of the iceberg and I'm doing well. Uh, I'm obviously just super excited like yourself to get hockey rolling and have a, a, a really a regular, regular season, you know, starting with 82 games. And not only that, we have, like I've mentioned before, all-star games, you know, the all-star game, outdoor games, the Olympics, and obviously the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, it's just, it's just great that we have so much hockey to talk about. And, you know, me being a Devils fan and covering the Devils, there's a lot to be excited about. And this is hopefully uh, which should be a very exciting season for the team and hopefully one that may very, may very well be one that ends in uh, a playoff berth, which is, I think, what we're kind of hoping for. We've only made the playoffs once since 2012, and uh, we'd like to change that uh, very, very soon. Well, the Devils, as you mentioned, it's going to be very exciting. They had the youngest forward core in the NHL last year, and it was not particularly close. There was nobody really even close to the youth that the Devils showed. But in the offseason, Tom Fitzgerald said, you know what, we're going to change it up a little bit. And he brought in a guy like Thomas Tatar, a seasoned NHL veteran. What do you think he brings to the lineup? And why do you think Fitzgerald wanted to bring in a guy like Tatar? Well, first, when you mentioned about the Devils being arguably the youngest team in the NHL last year, they were younger than several college hockey teams. I mean, that's how painfully (laughs) young we actually were. I mean, they kept showing a graphic. I think it was Minnesota State had a uh, roster that, you know, average age was actually older than the Devils by over a year. So that just shows you how painfully young we were last year. And yes, Tom Fitzgerald knew that he had to get a little bit older. He had to bring in more talent to the talent that we already have. And you brought up Thomas Tatar. See, the thing about Tatar, which is great, is that he's not a flashy goal scorer. He's not somebody that you're going to expect to score 35, 40 goals a year. But He is a guy that definitely can score 25 and even potentially push 30 goals on a good year and somebody that definitely upgrades our scoring ability. And it really just had to do with getting somebody that could be paired with either Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer and really elevate their game and elevate the top six. And we were, you know, definitely in the hunt to try to maybe acquire uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. But I think the injury history, playing only 32 games the last two years, I think kind of pushed the Devils away from really making any sort of move. Plus, you know, having to give up, you know, relatively decent assets for somebody like that who you're not Mm -hmm. sure about, I think kind of also pushed the Devils away. And, you know, Tatar still being there well after free agency was underway, it was just much easier for the Devils to go out and get somebody and all they had to give up was money. And I think Tatar is on a prove-it deal to not only himself but to the league because you look at the way that he ended last year didn't play at all in the playoffs, didn't play in the Stanley Cup Finals with Montreal, which was, which we still don't even know exactly what was the reasoning behind any of that. He didn't obviously explain it as well. I think the only time he talked about it was at the end of the year, and he kind of gave an answer like, that's kind of not my decision. You have to talk to you know, the coaching staff, the organization, as to why that wasn't the case. 
and clearly the the Canadians were not interested in bringing him back. And he was a pretty valuable player on the market. And the Devils took an opportunity to sign him to a two-year deal, $9 million in average, um, you know, over those two years, which is good. $4.5 million for a guy that's definitely going to be one of your top two left wingers is good. He brings uh, scoring, you know, prowess. He brings some veteran leadership, a guy who's been through it. He, you know, he's been in the playoffs, been to the cup final. He was there with, uh, with Vegas in their inaugural season. Uh, this is a guy that just fills out all of the boxes from an offensive and from a leadership perspective that Tom Fitzgerald wanted to fill. Mm-hmm. And when you look at his offseason as a whole, I mean, Tom Fitzgerald, he, he had a plan. And it was decidedly that he is going to basically send a shockwave to the entire NHL that says, hey, we're done rebuilding. Like, we, we might be building towards something, but the rebuild is done. We have the pieces, and now it's time to start adding. And included in that is obviously Dougie Hamilton. He was the prized possession of the entire offseason of the free agent class. And he went to the Devils on a massive deal. But I think even more astute, it's easy to go out there and say, hey, this is the this is the big fish. We're going to go get him. No pun intended with, with Tatar either. But <laughs> we're going to go get Dougie Hamilton. Okay, that's, that's pretty obvious. He's a great, talented defenseman. But I think that adding of Ryan Graves in the way that he did, he caught Joe Sackick on his back foot, which you don't see very often. And he gets a good defenseman in Graves that could be a top pairing D for a pretty low price considerably. So I think that was a warning shot to the league that the Devils are done rebuilding. How far off do you think they are from becoming a playoff team? You said they hope to be one this year. But do you think they're going to be one this year? Or do you think there's going to be another year of growing pains before they can become that team? Well, I like what you brought up, uh, Nick, about Tom Fitzgerald had a plan. I said it the whole offseason talking about it on the podcast that, look, Fitzgerald has a checklist and he wants to check off every single thing on this list. And he did. He was looking for a top six scoring winger. He found that in Tomas Tatar. He was looking for a number one defenseman, a guy who could be the anchor of our entire defensive core. He found that in Dougie Hamilton. He was looking for another defenseman that was really, really good, particularly at blocking shots. He found that in a massive frame of a player in Ryan Graves. And all we gave up was a second round pick and Mikhail Maltsev, who is a lower tier prospect. So we, and we took advantage of a avalanche team that didn't want to lose Graves for nothing in the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. So the Devils helped, helped out, you know, them. I feel like Maltsev will be a good bottom six guy for a very deep uh, avalanche team. So I do believe that uh, Colorado got a good deal in this. Um, and you just look at that and you, you clearly see, because we just got word literally today that Graves and Hamilton are our top two defensemen. They're playing on a, you know, pairing our top pairing to start the season. That's what we all expected. That's what we wanted because those guys combined um, analytically speaking are the best defensive pairing in the national hockey league. And I'm not making that up. You can look at every single analytics page that you out there and you can see clearly that both of these guys, the biggest thing that they you know are good at is playing defense. Ryan Graves is a shot blocking machine. Dougie Hamilton can do a little bit of everything and be very, very physical. And we also just got very tall on the defensive side. You know, Dougie Hamilton being six foot, I think he's six foot seven. Uh, Ryan Graves is like six foot five, six foot six. Both of these guys are well over 200 pounds. I mean, you know, Tom Fitzgerald wanted to make a statement, particularly on the defensive side. And then you just look at his whole offseason, getting Tatar, getting Jonathan Bernier, who, you know, he's looked a little bit rough in the preseason, but it is preseason. You don't try to 
really overreact to anything, even if it's good. Uh, you don't want to overreact, but he's a legitimate number number two goaltender, a very good 1B guy to Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, you just got to like everything that Tom Fitzgerald does with, the, with obviously, the core that we have. And the mm-hmm. biggest guy that you look at is Jack Hughes. You look at him and you say, this is going to be that year that he breaks out. Jack Hughes even said it in, you know, when he was talking to the media at the beginning of training camp. He believes that he's going to blow off. He's going to really, really come out this year and make a statement to the league that he is ready to become that superstar player that we all expected him to be when he first got drafted back in 2019. So for me personally, I do believe that this is a Devils team that very well can make the playoffs. I'm not saying that this is a team that is going to finish, you know, one or two in the Metropolitan Division because let's face it, the Metropolitan Division is the toughest division in the NHL and is what I call the division of death. I mean, it's really, you're talking about six, seven teams that are competing for four spots. And yes, teams like the Capitals, teams like the Penguins, you know, teams like the Flyers are getting a little bit older. They're obviously, you know, we're kind of going into a new era where particularly the New York, New Jersey uh, area is going to start dominating that division with, you know, the Islanders and the Rangers and obviously the Devils. You're going to have a new era of, you know, dominance in that division. But I look at the Devils as a team that I think is going to be very tough to play against, uh, very annoying to play against. And I think that with everything that has been put in place, if the chemistry works out and everything goes the way that we're expecting it to go, this is a team that I think could finish in fourth place at best um, and could very well be the eighth seed going into the postseason. And I think at worst, maybe two or three points out of a playoff spot finishing in fifth. But this is certainly a Devils team that is no longer rebuilding. They are taking the next step, being what they hope to be a consistent playoff contender, which then can lead to being an eventual Stanley Cup contender. Well, you mentioned Jack Hughes. And when I previewed the Metropolitan Division, Jack Hughes was a big sticking point for me because the confidence is evident. If you watched any of his interviews, whether it be at the car wash in Chicago at the NHL or just any time he has spoke this offseason, I mean, he is an extremely confident young man. And he's an extremely talented guy too. I think you look at the fact that he shot 7.7% shooting percentage last year and 5.7% in his rookie year. Something's got to give. If he gets it to the mean in his shooting percentage, he's going to blow up. I mean, it's just evident. And eventually, you add skill around him, like a guy like Tatar, like Nico Hishier coming back off of a bad year when it comes to injury and health issues. You add that talent, and Jack Hughes eventually is going to figure it out. And when he does... It's going to be a big season. So are you expecting him to be kind of like a point-per-game guy this year, or do you think he's a little bit under that still, even if he blows up? Well, first of all, he is on my fantasy team, so I really do hope that he is a point-per-game player because that would certainly help me uh, in the Hockey Podcast Network uh, Fantasy League this year. I'm really trying to have a better year. Let me say this about Jack Hughes, and I've pointed it out before because obviously there's a lot of people that want to immediately assume that him, even Capo Caco, and even Alexis Lafreniere are already busts. Let's put it this way. With both Jack Hughes and and Capo Caco, they have yet to play a full season of NHL hockey. And what I mean by that is simply this. Go back to their rookie year. We didn't play a full year because COVID hit right in the middle of everything when we got to about the 60-game mark. Go to last year. How many games did we play? 56. So in terms of total amount of games played, yes, Jack Hughes has played 82 games plus. But has he played a full regular 82-game season? No. And also, here's the other thing. Jack Hughes lost his head coach, lost his general manager, 
lost his star player, and the team fell apart all in his rookie year. Go to next, go to last season. New coaching staff, new general manager, a bunch of young players that had not proven themselves yet in the National Hockey League and playing in a pandemic. So you go into this year, and yes, COVID-19 is still very, very much going on, and I'm not trying to pretend like it's not, because, look, there is still the potential that if things get out of hand, that the NHL may still not go to the Olympics this year. So I think we have to Mm -hmm. keep that in mind moving forward. And we've had some situations with guys being hesitant to getting the vaccine, even in the NHL, including somebody that is on the New Jersey Devils, who I know, Nick, you have talked about Uh, in the past. Um, And we can certainly talk about that if you want to. The thing about it with Jack Hughes is that this is that first year where he really can, there is no obstacles. There's nothing, you know, he knows the coaching staff. Well, he knows what's expected of him. He has talent around him. And again, it's not ignorance that he has it's confidence. It's belief in Mm -hmm. himself that he knows that he is a very talented hockey player. And this is the, you know, he said in himself, the thing that really blew me was this, he said that this is Nico Hishier's team. This is not his team. He said this is Nico's team, which is kind of like confidence, but also very, very modest as well that he's not saying that he's the man. He's mm-hmm. saying that I'm confident in myself and my team that we are going to be very, very good this year. And he believes in himself that this team is going to be very good and that he's going to be very good. And people will say, well, is he going to reach 60 points? I think he will honestly reach 60 points. I, I do expect him to get pretty close to the 70-point mark. This is a guy that could very well score 20-plus goals. Maybe if he really gets on a hot streak like he did to start last season, maybe he gets himself to a 30-goal uh, mark. That's potential. That That's obviously a possibility. But if he can get to a 60-point range at least, that will show you that he believes in himself and that he really is developing the way that everybody was hoping that he would develop. So I do have high expectations for Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes has high expectations for himself. And that's really all that matters, honestly, with regards to it. Regardless of how I feel, how the organization feels, how anybody feels, the, the, the guy that matters the most, the opinion that matters the most to Jack Hughes is Jack Hughes. If he believes that he is going to succeed, he's going to do everything possible to make sure that he succeeds. And he's played in the preseason a couple times, and he already looks like he's ready to go. So it's just a matter of getting on the ice on October 15th and just getting ready to go for what should be a long and successful year for him and the team itself. Mm-hmm. In that answer, you did mention something I did want to touch on briefly, obviously, is the fact that number one goalie Mackenzie Blackwood has decided as of right now that he still has not made his full decision. But as of right now, he is not vaccinated for the COVID-19 dis- disease due to discussions about what it could do to potential health, kind of side effects and stuff like that. That's his decision. That's fine. All that basically means is he would not be able to accompany the team to their games in Canadian cities, amongst other things where, you know, in the room and stuff like that. And New York as well. And New York as well. I don't think enough people have talked about that because, you know, I don't mean to change sports really quick, but obviously a lot of people know about the situation with Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving cannot play right now because he's not vaccinated. He can't play in New York. So he literally cannot play in any of the games in Brooklyn and he can't play against the Knicks and Mm -hmm. he can't play in Toronto and he also can't play in parts of California. So that's obviously a big factor here. The same thing applies to Mackenzie Blackwood. It's not because he's a different athlete and he plays a different sport that the rules don't apply to him. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. The problem for him is that you have also nine games playing in in Canada and you have New York. And yes, he can play at home in New Jersey, which is great because he's actually playing tonight against the, um, the New York Islanders in the final preseason game. 
it's a very difficult position to be in right now. So mm -hmm. I would say this, um, and I don't know if you wanted to ask me something before I made my um, no, go for it. My, my point. Do I fully agree with Mackenzie Blackwood on what he's doing? No. Um, do I think it's selfish? No. That's the other thing. I don't look. First of all, I'll say this for my own benefit. I'm vaccinated, and so is my entire family. Um, do I have issues with guys making the decision to not get vaccinated? I have issues if it's for reasons that don't make a lot of sense. I actually can understand why Blackwood uh, is feeling the way that he does, because what a lot of people don't know is that Blackwood had lower body surgery this offseason. He, look, we got to call it like this. He went through a lot last season where he had to carry the team because we didn't have a backup goaltender because obviously Corey Crawford decided to retire before ever suiting up for the team. And we had guys like Scott Wedgwood and Aaron Dell and Eric Comrie that were playing sparingly, but 90% of the games were played by Blackwood. So he, had, he over... He overplayed, and that was the big reason why we had to go out and get Jonathan Bernier this offseason. So Blackwood feels more or less concerned about, because he just had surgery recently, that getting the vaccine could screw up his recovery process. That mm -hmm. maybe something involved in the vaccine can do that. The only argument that I could really make is that, look, over 2 million people have gotten vaccinated, and... There, a lot of the, what you would call, I guess, conspiracy theories, I, I don't know if that's the word I would use, but conspiracy theories have been kind of debunked. And mm -hmm. there is less and less evidence to prove that the vaccine is not working. It has been working. It clearly has been working. And I want to also point this out. Getting the vaccine does not mean that you are, you know, you're preventing yourself from getting COVID. It just means mm -hmm. that it prevents you from getting severe symptoms of being in the hospital and obviously potentially dying. That's, that's really what this was all about. Just getting mm -hmm. it so we can lower the numbers of people get uh, of people, you know, having bad reactions so we can figure this out and we can start to, you know, get back to some form of what they call normalcy, which obviously mm -hmm. we're never going to go back to normal because we're never going to go back to where we were prior to COVID-19 when it first came out. Um, so speaking about it from Blackwood's perspective, he's talked about that it's tough that he has to get dressed in a different locker room. He has to wear a mask all the time. He can't interact with his teammates unless he's on the ice with them. You know, he has to be way more careful than the rest of the team. Not saying that the rest of the team isn't careful, but obviously he has to take uh, extra precautions because of it. Mm -hmm. He says that he has not ruled out getting vaccinated. He also says he's not ruled out not getting vaccinated. I do believe that this will not be like what's going on with Kyrie Irving, where it's going to, it's going to really actually be a problem. I do believe, especially because the devils don't even go to Canada until no, uh, November or early December, December. early mm -hmm. December. Um, I do believe that he will eventually get vaccinated because he looks at it, the rest, the whole team, the whole coaching staff, the organization, they've all gotten vaccinated. There's not a single person other than him that has not gotten vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think uh, he will eventually get back vaccinated. I think he just wants to, I think he wants to start the season. I think he wants to start the season to see how he feels, how the recovery process has been going from his off season surgery. And I think after maybe four or five games that he's played, I think he'll go, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get it. Let's, let's do it. And I think mm -hmm. that he'll, I think that he will. So I'm not, terribly worried about it even if it gets to the point where he can't play in Canada that will obviously be a concern but I do feel confident in the rest of the team that they will be able to pick up some of the slack 
and continue to perform uh, because our defense is better. Our goaltending has improved. And I think that that's kind of all these things. And I think Blackwood will understand after a while that, you know what, I need to be there for my teammates. I need to be selfless and do this, even if I don't agree with it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the way that I would look at it uh, with, with this whole situation. Yeah. I, whether it's luckily or unluckily, the devil's schedule has it. So most of the games in Canada are backloaded. They're, they're towards the end of the season. So he has the time to make that decision before he has a lot of games and scheduled games in Canada. But at the same time, if he decides not to make that decision, that's a lot of games down the stretch, especially if you're fighting for a playoff spot where you're not going to have your number one goalie. So a lot of decisions to be made in that arena for Mackenzie Blackwood and for the organization as a whole, whether or not they want to bring somebody else in to help balance that out, that that's a different conversation for a different day. But I do want to jump off of this topic and, and go to more youth for the New Jersey Devils because there are two guys that I've seen all of your tweets. I've seen the videos. I've seen everything about a pair of 19-year-olds waiting in the wings for New Jersey. Tell me a little bit about Alexander Holtz and Dawson Mercer. And when do you see them making the NHL? Are they, are we going to see them this year? Or do we have to be patient and put the brakes on a little bit? Well, Dawson Mercer and Alexander Holtz were both taken in the first round of the 2020 NHL draft by the Devils. They were two of the three first-round picks that the team had, as we can obviously thank both Tampa Bay and Arizona for giving us their first-round picks that year. Dawson Mercer was a guy that should have been a top 15 pick and he fell out of the top 15 and landed in the devil's lap. Uh, Alexander Holtz was a guy that we didn't know if the devils were more interested in Marco Rossi that year or Alexander Holtz. Me personally, I will speak it because I want to be honest. I preferred Rossi at the time over Alexander Holtz because I felt like Rossi was more NHL ready. I didn't think that Alexander Holtz was right away going to jump into the NHL. And obviously that has not been the case since he's yet to play a game in in the NHL. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Alexander Holtz likes to model his game around a guy like Alexander Ovechkin being six foot four plus well over 200 pounds, a guy who can shoot the, shoot the lights out of the puck and really just all he cares about is scoring goals. I cannot complain one bit. And Mm -hmm. you look at this preseason, Dawson Mercer lit it up in the prospects challenge. So did Alexander Holtz. And both of them have come into the preseason and have been two of the most consistent, two of the most dominating players on the Devils since the preseason started. And both of them have proven, honestly and truly, that they 100% deserve to be with the big club to start the year. Now, is there a potential that they could start the year with the team and then get sent down later on? Yes, because they very well could struggle once the regular season actually gets underway. Because preseason, you're not going up against the main competition every single game. So you have to take that into consideration. But I do believe that both of these guys are NHL ready. Dawson Mercer is a guy that could be potentially your third pair, you know, your third line centerman that has top six potential. Mm-hmm. A guy that could also be stuck on the wing. He has played wing in the past and he could very well be shifted up to the top, to the top six as a winger. Alexander Holtz has the potential to be your number one left, you know, uh, either right wing or left wing shooting um, you know, forward and a guy that could very well be that, that goal scorer, that 35, 40, potentially maybe even 50 goal scorer, a guy that we really just have been looking for for so long. And so I, I think both of these guys have come into training camp confident, believing in themselves. And I think Lindy Ruff has definitely seen that and he's mm-hmm. loved what they've done. And obviously they got one more preseason game to go to try to, you know, make one more 
proof of that. But I do believe that both of these guys are going to make the roster this year and are going to be problems once they get their full game developed. And once they start playing games in the NHL, they are going to become a problem for years to come. And really from the devil's prospect pool, the rich get richer, honestly. They, they, these, this prospect pool was nothing five years ago. Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward it to five years later, we have one of the most impressive prospect pools in the NHL. Certainly top five, maybe even top three, because you just look at the talent and potential that these guys have. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way that I look at it. And I'm really excited for both of these guys. And I do believe that both of them are going to be invaluable pieces to this roster, especially down the road when we eventually um, are good enough to compete for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, they say the NHL is getting younger. And then I look at the Devils and I'm like, yeah, but is it really that young? Really? Are we really two 19-year-olds are going to be extremely talented and possibly making a difference this year? And then to mention the fact that your aging core is Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. Like, I mean, and even Pavel Zaka, Miles Wood, those guys, Jesper Bratt, they're, they're not old. They're like 25 years old. They're, they're still, they're 10 years ago, NHL young is what they are, honestly. So this team has a bright future, obviously, and that is all spearheaded by the guy I want to finish off talking about, and that's Nico Heischer, the captain. I'm willing to, and I'm sure most people that are fans of the Devils are willing to give him a mulligan on his first year as captain after everything he went through last year. You're going to give him a mulligan. We're going to see what he does this year. Only 21 games played last season. Now, even in that, you can look at that and not look any deeper into it, and it's still not a lot of games. But if you look into it and look deeper and see how much he was still dealing with when playing in those games, Nico Heischer, I don't even want to say he was a shell of himself last season. Nico Heischer was just out there to make sure he played some games because he wanted to play hockey. This year, give him a mulligan. This is his first season. In my mind, I'm going to look at it. This is his first season as captain of the New Jersey Devils. A very young team. A very promising team. What do you think we're going to see from him this season? Well, you have to start with this. Nico started last season on IR. He didn't Mm -hmm. start the year playing. And the first game that he came back, he was named captain. This was not something that we knew ahead of time. It was... That day was so crazy emotionally because, first of all, we get word that Nico's playing... And then 10 minutes later, we get word that he's named the captain of the Devils. So it was just kind of like this whole thing of like everything's being thrown at us at once. And I think even from Nico's perspective, we never had time to really process it, especially then he got hurt again and didn't play virtually until the end of the season. And yeah, I'm sure even from Nico's perspective, he he just doesn't even talk about that year. He says that year doesn't matter. It's whatever. He's fully healthy now. He is the captain of this team, and he knows that this team is going to look to him to be one of the main leaders. He doesn't have to be our leading goal scorer. He doesn't have to be our leading point getter. But if he can take the role of being a legit leader both on and off the ice, and I do believe that he is ready for that, I believe that the Devils know that and they want to follow him. I believe a lot of the players on this team respect him because he's not a big rah-rah guy. And yes, He's still really, really young at 22 years of age, 23 years of age. Uh, But you know what? There have been so many captains in the past that have been named a captain at a pretty young age, uh, including Sidney Crosby. I will will just add that, um, including Alex Ovechkin. Um, To me, I feel like Nico is out here to prove to everybody that he is ready to take the next step in his career. Because look, 
he had a tremendous rookie year. Obviously, being paired with Taylor Hall helped that. And you look at it stats-wise, it's kind of gone down since that year, including last year. And a lot of people have said that Nico Heischer is a bust, that the Devils made the wrong decision to take him. Um, and I understand that because you look at picks three and four, and that was what? Elias Pettersson and Miro Haskinen, who mm-hmm. are two superstar players in this league. But how was anybody going to figure out that both of those guys were going to be as good as they were, you know, as they mm-hmm. became? You couldn't figure that out. If the Devils had taken Elias Pettersson and he didn't pan out, everybody would be criticizing the Devils for taking him. They would be, you know, th- this is the thing. Nico Kiescher is not a one-dimensional player. This is a guy that could very well win a Selkie trophy if he develops the way that he, you know, everybody hopes that he can develop. He's a two-way guy. He could score. He could also, he's very good at the face-off mark. He can play some solid defense. And really his main prowess is uh, playmaking. And you look at the potential that he has around him with regards to goal scoring. Jesper Bratt and Yegor Sharangovich are most likely going to be his two partners on that first line. Both of those guys really like to score. So Nico should should be expected to have way more assists and goals, but Nico can also score the score the puck as well if, if you have to give him that opportunity. Um, as far as just a leadership perspective, this is that year that he can really prove to everybody that he that the Devils made the right decision to make him the captain of this team. That this really is his team, as Jack Hughes put it. And that shows you the belief in Nico Heischer and just the overall organization's decision to making him the captain. So this is a very big year for him to prove to everybody that he was worthy of being the number one overall pick and he was worthy to be the next captain of this team. And I'm very, very, I'm very excited for him. And I do firmly believe that he will prove a lot of people wrong about what they've said about him in years past about he's too young to be the captain. He's not as good as people said he was. He's overrated. He was, he's a boss, blah, blah, blah. I think he's going to silence a lot of people when this season is all said and done. Well, I think the New Jersey Devils, that is basically a storyline for them entirely. Let's just silence all the haters right now and show everybody that the New Jersey Devils are here to contend and here to be a problem in the Metropolitan Division. Neil, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I appreciate you. I always love getting to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll be talking a lot this season. Let all of our listeners know where they can find you, on social media, and what's coming up for you on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. Well, first, Nick, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, obviously, a big fan of you and obviously what you do with the Hockey Hotbed as well as Tip of the Iceberg. I enjoy your guys' commentary all the time, and I appreciate talking to you all the time. It's great. Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, as you can see right below, and also on Instagram at Devil's State of Mind. You could also like us on Facebook, Devil's State of Mind podcast. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday, so I have a lot of content that comes out. We have a bunch of interviews that we're going to be doing. Uh, I'm actually shifting a little bit more into video. Uh, If you guys had the chance, last Friday I did a uh, live watch-along of the Devils uh, preseason game against the New York Rangers. We had over 500 people watching at one point, which is absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to be doing a lot more of those watch-alongs. Um, I do plan on doing one on opening night. I believe I will have uh, Jerome from the CBC podcast on as well as we watch that game together because the Devils open the season at home against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, And yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. Uh, I also am happy to announce that my third book that I have written is actually going to be out in probably within the next 72 hours. Um, 
It's called uh, Maple Leafs to Maple Laughs, which talks about the uh, suffering and heartbreak of being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun to write that book. And it's going to be on Amazon for the price of 1967. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people can figure out why I chose that price. It'll be available for hardcover and ebook. You could also check out JETS Pain, 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 and also Meet the Mets Mess as well. Uh, those are my two other books that I've written. And uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much it. And you can also follow me on Twitter, uh, my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W. And also my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. And one last thing that I wanted to say, I wanted to send a special uh, special shout out and thoughts and prayers to uh, Canadians goaltender Carey Price, uh, who will be starting the season on the uh, NHL assistance program. Um, we obviously don't know exactly what the reasonings uh, are, but we do hope uh, for nothing but the best for him and his family and hope to see him back on the ice very, very soon. Well, Neil, thank you very much. And to everybody that's listening, we will be right back after a quick break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. We're back here at the Hockey Hotbed Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Again, that is promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. But we don't have really much left to say. Thank you again to Neil Villapiano for joining the show. I always have a kick. I always get a kick out of talking to him. and We usually talk for more time after an interview than we do during the interview so it was nice to get neil on the show definitely go check out his new book that would be his third book that he has published i can't even imagine trying to write the chapter of a book let alone having three published books out on amazon so go check out all of that and also go check out the devil state of mind podcast because it is one of the longest running podcasts here on the hockey podcast network he's one of the earliest members of the network, and I believe it's one of the ones that does the best job. I really enjoy listening to Neil Villapiano, so go check him out. If you're a Devils fan, you definitely need to check him out. If you're not a Devils fan, but you're just curious about that team, go check out Neil Villapiano on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. We're going to wrap it up here in just a few minutes, but before I do that, I want to give you my games to watch this week. It's something that I might throw in there and show you guys what I think I'm going to be watching, especially in a year where, thanks to the new TV deal, these games are going to be much more accessible for everybody in the United States. I'm not exactly sure how ESPN Plus works in Canada, but if you're in the United States I and you want to watch a lot of hockey, I suggest getting ESPN Plus. I mean, the whole Disney bundle is great because I love Disney Plus as well, and I also watch Hulu a good bit, but the ESPN Plus aspect of it is where I'm going to be watching most of my hockey this year. So with that in mind, with all of these games now accessible to ESPN Plus subscribers for, I believe it's only like $5.99. This is not a commercial for ESPN, I promise. But the fact is we're going to get to watch a lot of these games that we weren't really necessarily able to watch unless we paid, what, 100 bucks for NHL TV before. So 
here are my games to watch this week between now and the next time I come to you on Friday morning with a new episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Two of them are on Tuesday night, so two of them are tonight already. First and foremost, the Panthers are taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa Bay. Listen, if you watched what happened in the preseason game, and I believe I also mentioned it last week on one of the episodes of the podcast, these two teams are starting to create a really heated rivalry, and both of these teams are going to be contending in the Atlantic Division this year. The Florida Panthers are 2-0 already to start the season. The Tampa Bay Lightning, I believe, are 1-1, but at the same time, it's going to be such a fun matchup. I mean, these two teams fought a lot in the preseason. These two teams fought for, you know, playoff survival last year. The Tampa Bay Lightning were able to eliminate the Florida Panthers in the first round. So definitely go check that out on Tuesday night. Another matchup that I like on Tuesday night, check out the Colorado Avalanche versus the Washington Capitals. Now, as of right now, I'm not sure if Nathan McKinnon is going to be cleared or playing. And I know Gabriel Landeskog was suspended and will still be serving his suspension for this game. But the Colorado Avalanche are looked at as a Stanley Cup favorite. Their games are going to be pretty much much must watch all year long. But they're going to be in the nation's capital taking on the Washington Capitals. Alex Ovechkin already off to a hot start. Three goals already passing Marcel Dion in the first week of the season. I expect him to get up to third place this year. I think he's going to catch Yager this year and only be behind, I believe it's what, Gordie Howe and obviously Wayne Gretzky. So definitely go check that out on Tuesday night as well. Colorado Avalanche at the Washington Capitals. And then the last game I'm going to talk about here really quickly, Boston Bruins at the Philadelphia Flyers on Wednesday night on TNT. We've already seen some fun stuff. Charles Barkley in net. Wayne Gretzky shooting on him. Biz Nasty giving a little bit over-exaggerated responses and, and taking up the TV time from Rick Tockett. It's been fun so far. So definitely check that out. One, for the studio aspect. And two, the Bruins and the Flyers is a really good matchup. It is a matchup that is, to me, visually pleasing. I like both teams watching them on TV. Not that I like the Flyers jerseys, just because I'm not a big fan of the orange. But at the same time, this should be a good game. The Philadelphia Flyers are looking to bounce back from a bad season. The Boston Bruins are looking to prove everybody wrong, starting to doubt them. A lot of people are saying because of the loss of Tuka Rask, and we don't even know where he's at at this point on his recovery and on his contract negotiations, a lot of people are talking down on the Boston Bruins also because of the division they're in. But listen, Jeremy Swayman looked so looked good in that first game. And Linus Allmark is not an awful goaltender. So the Boston Bruins have a lot to prove. They have the best line in hockey. One of the best lines in hockey, at least. Top two. Definitely check that out. I think it's going to be a really good game. It's definitely going to be worth your while if you tune in on Wednesday night. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. You can follow me on social media at the Hockey Hotbed Pod, or excuse me, at Hockey Hotbed Pod, or on Instagram at simply Hockey Hotbed. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I will see you guys on Friday. Have a good week, hockey fans.